the Bassoon Quartet podcast. And happy birthday, everybody. Yes, happy birthday. Happy birthday. I'm Ethan. I'm Kent. I'm Brian. Hey, where's Mike? Oh, God. Oh, God. What happened to Mike? What do we do? How will we go on? Today, we, you are listening to the Boulder Bassoon Trio podcast. As there is no Michael, what will happen? Mike can't join us today, but his spirit is with us. <laughs> <laughs> and we remember him fondly. We're opening up the podcast with a rendition of Happy Birthday, arranged by the one and only E-Town. Hello. Yes. And the reason we're doing that is because this week, which has spanned February 23rd until today, February 28th, uh, has seen the birthdays of myself and Ethan and Kent. Mm-hmm. So 75% of the Boldly Bassoon Quartet just became a, another year older this week. And this is the 21st episode of our podcast, so the podcast can now drink legally. <laughs> Congratulations, podcast. (laughs) Also, in the realm of bassoon birthdays, Daryl Hell has a birthday on February 26th, which is the same as mine. And I believe George, one of the original quartet members, has his birthday sometime around here as well. So original quartet members. One of the, yeah, yeah, one of the lucky few. George. <laughs> so for all you listening out there, if you've got kids or you're going to have a kid who has a birthday in the last week of February, the kid will play the bassoon. It's inevitable. Yep. We apologize. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the rules of the universe. So you mentioned the original quartet member. So that begs the question... How did the original quartet get started? So yeah, we've gone over the origin stories for us as individuals, but we haven't actually talked about how we got together as a bassoon quartet. And um, it doesn't really have a romantic story. (laughs) (laughs) It's just simply, we were all students at CU, the University of Colorado, and our teacher, Dr. Ishikawa, said to me, I was the TA, and he said to me, I want to have a bassoon quartet in the studio. And I probably rolled my eyes and thought, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I think he put together the other three guys. Do you remember? Yeah, there was was kind of a couple things going on. Because George had written a bassoon quartet, or arranged a bassoon quartet, um, Cold Duck Time. He arranged this jazzy quartet, and he wanted... He wanted to play on his senior recital. And so he kind of put together his his own little group to play that. And I think, I don't know if that's what got Yoshi going on the idea of having his own quartet or if, or if that happened before, but that was definitely part of the, the start to it. Now you two, you guys were the two of the original members, right? Right, it was me and I was the only grad student. And Ethan, and you were what, a freshman? Junior, yeah, I would have been a sophomore at that time, yeah. And Eric Johnson and George Downing. And I wonder what we sounded like. I really don't <laughs> remember. But um, we started preparing for any normal kind of bassoon recital. And then along the way, we discovered that one of the other students in the studio, Daryl Hale, had cancer. So our quartet recital 
quickly became a, you know, let's do something fun for Daryl and hopefully raise a little bit of money. And I really dug into it as a, as a project. We created posters, we created a website. Yoshi posted a link to our website through all of his connections with the International Double E Society. And we got Bill Douglas, who is a nationally you know, renowned composer and pianist. Uh, we got him to be involved because he used to be a bassoonist. And so he gave us some music and he performed with us. And quickly our little, you know, uninteresting recital became kind of a big deal. Uh, and it involved the entire bassoon studio. There were a couple of pieces like I think Super Mario Brothers mm-hmm. where the entire studio got together and played. So we were hoping to raise a couple hundred bucks so that Daryl could use it for a plane ticket to go to Texas where they were, I don't know, they were doing their cancer research or whatever. And the turnout was great. And we raised about 2,500 bucks, some of which came through the website from people across the nation. Mm -hmm. And so that became, that's the real origin of you know, the bassoon quartet. Um, and that was, of course, not the Boulder bassoon quartet, but the CU bassoon quartet. Right. And then one by one, we lost. Who Who's the first guy? George, George was, was the George, oldest. Yeah, George would have been the first. Cause that yeah, because I think when I was first signing up to be at CU, I remember seeing the Daryl Palooza posters around. And I had, you know, of course, at that point, I had no idea who anybody was. But I think that's interesting that that's where you guys were right when I was just yeah. getting onboarded into CU. And the first time I saw you guys actually play was I think the following, the following semester, which would have been my first semester. And that was when uh, Mike had joined, I believe. Uh, and you guys did a recital, which included the Mazetich Quartet and like the Mozart jig. Uh-huh. That's the first time I heard you guys probably play. Probably correct. Okay, yeah. So we, by the way, we called our first little recital Daryl Palooza. And those posters that we made, those wound up all over the place. And I remember one day walking around Pearl Street, which is a famous part of Boulder. It's an outdoor pedestrian mall. Very popular, very crowded all the time. And they have these pillars that are set up purposefully to host concert flyers and things. So I was walking around the Pearl Street Mall and there's this picture of Ethan (laughs) holding his vocal like a pipe, staring at the camera. (laughs) And it's like a big... It's not just a normal sheet of paper. It was a big poster. Yeah. I think there's still one of those in our basement somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I've got some of those at home. We made one poster with Scarlett Johansson on it and one poster with <laughs> Natalie Portman. And it just says something like, Scarlett Johansson will not be at this recital, but you should be anyway. <laughs> and it worked. We had a big turnout. Maybe we should bring that back. Bring back like a guerrilla um, marketing campaign. And there you go. <laughs> put some celebrities on there who have nothing to do with us. <laughs> We could put Dwight from The Office. He used yeah, to play there them, you so. go. Oh, yeah, he loved it, too. <laughs> <if I remember. laughs> this guy doesn't hasn't hurt us, so that's why he didn't like the bassoon. <laughs> so, yeah, George went off to... Uh, I don't... He didn't go to grad school, right? No. George went skiing. George went skiing, yeah. Still is skiing. <laughs> so far as we know, George is in Montana teaching people how to ski. And he was a really good uh, musician, a really good bassoonist. For his last recital, do you remember what he looked like? Yeah, he had the huge fro, and then he had the, what was the color of the suit? It was like peach or something. It was a pink shirt with like a gray vest and a gray jacket and a gray (laughs) pants. And 
he looked awesome. And then very soon, like a couple of days after his recital was, I think, Cowdy's recital. And George came waltzing in with a mohawk. He had shaved off the sides of his <laughs> giant right. fro and he had this big flappy mohawk. And I remember Cowdy's parents were there and they kept looking at him like, oh, this guy, <laughs> this guy's cool. <laughs> so that was George. And then Eric, uh, like a year later, thereabouts, he went off to Cincinnati for grad school. And he is now currently back in the Colorado area in Denver, I believe, studying law. He, he's married to a, a flute player, so I believe he still plays once in a while for like her recitals and stuff. So when George left, we got Mike, and when Eric left, we got Kent. That was fun. I appreciated the opportunity to slide on in there. Yep. And now here we are. Yeah. One of my favorite stories about the quartet at CU was that we had scheduled this rehearsal for like a Thursday morning at eight in the morning. It was a horribly early time for a rehearsal and I dragged myself out of bed and get over there and everything. And we're the three of us, me and Ethan and Mike were sitting there waiting for Eric. <laughs> That's right. Waiting for Eric. It's eight fifteen. Where's Eric? Hurry up. You jerk. <laughs> and we call him and he's like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I, I forgot I'm already halfway to Wyoming right now because I got a gig in Wyoming. Right. So I'm not going to be there. I was like, oh, God, are you kidding me? A couple hours go by, and it's time for wind ensemble rehearsal. <laughs> now, CU has two contrabassoons, and I'm supposed to play contrabassoon in this wind ensemble rehearsal. One of the contrabassoons was in the shop. It was getting fixed up. And the other contrabassoon, Eric, took to Wyoming for this gig. So I told the conductor, uh, I'm sorry, but they, both of the contrabassoons are unavailable, so I'll just play normal bassoon. And he's like, that's no good. And he had you know, he had the eyes, the eyes <laughs> of doom. So he just very quietly said, that's no good, and he left. He walked out the door. He comes back, rehearsal starts. Like two minutes into rehearsal, Yoshi shows up, and he just simply says, the contrabassoon will be here in 15 minutes. And I'm like, what? That's not, that's not even possible. Like three hours ago, Eric was halfway to Wyoming, which means he was two hours away. Um, so how is it even possible that now he could possibly you know, come back? But sure enough, 15 minutes later, the door opens and Eric walks in with the contrabassoon and he wheels it over to me and he, he, I start you know using it for rehearsal and he just sits there in the corner whimpering. So um, for vengeance... When he wasn't watching, I found his orchestra music and I added a bunch of accidentals that aren't supposed to be in there. <laughs> I don't know what ever happened. I don't know what came of that. So that was a good lesson learned. This episode of the Boulder Bassoon Quartet podcast is brought to you by Forrest's Music. Just about everything you could possibly need to play a double reed instrument is available at forrestsmusic.com, including From the Opposite Shore, the first album by the Boulder Bassoon Quartet. Forestsmusic.com. So at CU, we had two or three performances. We, we had Daryl Palooza, and then we had our own recital, and then we also played my last recital. That was my first performance with you guys. Okay. Yeah, with the Mozenich. Uh-huh. And we played at the Collage concert. Actually, we did that a couple times. We, we, we played Cold Duck Time at the Collage concert, because I remember sitting up there on the balcony of this big concert hall Mackey Auditorium and having to say Ethan what time is it <laughs> that's right I don't know the collage concert is uh, I think a kind of unique event that happens at CU and that they get basically every wind ensemble to perform one at a time right in a row 
So it'll start on the main stage with the full wind ensemble, and then in one of the balconies will be a woodwind quintet, and then downstairs will be like a trombone ensemble, and then a percussion ensemble, and then someplace else up in the rafters will be a bassoon quartet, and it just goes on one after another, boom, 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 and then finally at the end of it we all play together some big monstrous thing like a huge rendition of Bolero or Carmina Burana or something. And so we played Cold Duck Time, and then one year we played some of those Brahms You did waltzes. the Brahms, yeah, you did the last movement of the Brahms. Yeah. I watched you guys, yeah, I was in the audience. Uh, and now, for the last several years, after a lot of us left, the bassoon studio became much more female. <laughs> and so they were doing a lot of stuff like Lady Gaga... Disney party, Disney princess party. Yeah. They would dress up and wear wigs. So I'm pretty happy I missed all that. <laughs> <laughs> At ASU, did you ever play in a bassoon quartet? You know, I read a couple quartets and I played on one person's recital where she wanted a bassoon quartet, but it wasn't like a group. It was just getting together to play a bassoon quartet. And then uh, me and... Um, couple other guys I knew. We were a kind of a trio, a standing trio for the last couple of years I was at ASU and that was fun. But I wasn't in, in any part of a ongoing quartet. Do you remember the piece you played in the quartet? Yeah, it was a piece by the name of, uh, by a guy by the name of Ken Cooper. Hmm. And his wife was one of the bassoonists. And so she wanted to play it. And it was called Bassoon Mathematics. Oh boy. <laughs> was it and good? Each I was fine. Yeah. Um, I don't remember a whole lot about it, but each movement was a different formula, like two plus two, huh. one plus one plus squared. one plus one. Right. So it kind of described like the layering and the yeah, texture the, of yeah. the each movement. So I thought it was it was clever. My initial reaction to Yoshi saying I want a bassoon quartet was, like I said, I kind of probably rolled my eyes because, in large part, the repertoire for the bassoon quartet tends to be very cheesy. Mm-hmm. Um, and small but as uh, luck would have it he allowed me to put together a list of repertoire that I wanted to buy so he used studio money to buy a bunch of stuff from the Caliban Quartet including the Mosetich and the Brahms Waltzes and these other arrangements and we used that for a good deal of it and then we had that Bill Douglas piece which was very difficult is that um, Azure? Feast. No. Feast. feast. Oh, I yeah. remember that. I never With got to play that with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's rhythmically challenging, and it's just it's all over the bassoon. Yeah. You guys played that at Palooza, right? Yeah, with yeah. Bill. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So we, we put together some repertoire that actually, you know, was pretty good. But after I left, after I graduated, and after like all of us were done with CU, how did we keep going? I don't really remember. Was it just so like, hey, let's get together and go play in Pearl Street? Yeah, that's yeah. how it started. That's, that Whose idea was that? Did I bring that up? I think you, you might have brought it up, yeah. It doesn't really seem like me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know for a while I was really into it because there was this interim period where, of course, if you graduate with a music degree, you just are unemployed for a while. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I was in that time... And I had nothing else to do, so I was really into this idea of playing a lot with the bassoon quartet and playing on Pearl Street and getting it into like a more serious thing. So, so because I had the time, I, I remember suggesting quite a bit of playing on Pearl Street and things. I remember being surprised that it worked. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think the novelty of seeing four guys standing around with these long sticks that people keep calling oboes uh, results in more dollars being tossed into our open case 
But um, I think it's all very interesting. I think most colleges now have a bassoon quartet just to keep all the kids busy. Hmm. Um, I've got, I have a Google alert. So that anytime bassoon shows up in the news, it lets me know. Or actually, I should say, you know, there's Google News, and now I have a section for bassoon. And I would say, you know, 50% of the articles that come across, which aren't many, but um, they're probably all about bassoon quartets and bassoon ensembles. And then there's the rare article about, uh, you know, here's a guy who just won an audition, like the new principal for the Chicago Symphony. He's a very young guy. He's like, what, 21, 22? So he had a few articles written about him. Um, but it seems like the bassoon quartet is a fairly commonplace thing among universities hmm. and the repertoire seems to be expanding. So when we got to the point where we were playing on Pearl Street, we expanded the repertoire by adding in a bunch of more pop tunes. Don't Stop Believing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already had Mario Brothers, some Beatles tunes, whatever. Mm-hmm. When after we played Pearl Street for a while, that's when I kind of got the bug to write what became so cliche because it was like, I wanted to write something that wasn't quite as cheesy, uh, you know, that had a little more uh, substance to it, but would still be kind of more or less appropriate on Pearl Street. And that's where the idea at least came from. And was that before, did we play that before um, our first gig in Louisville? We did, because our first gig in Louisville closed with that piece, right? Oh, yeah. So we had already played it a few times by that point, yeah. at least on Pearl Street. So those two things were really big milestones for the bassoon quartet. So cliche, Kent very um, softly, almost timidly said, oh, you know, I wrote this thing and maybe if you feel like it, we could read through it. We don't have to, but it'd be nice just to see what it sounds like, you know, rather than just on paper. Just once. And so we read through it. It's really hard, but in a good way, and it's like full of good stuff, and we immediately can yeah. tell like this is awesome, and we got to do something with it. So I think that was a huge impetus for us to get together more, rehearse more, take it a little bit more seriously, um, and we wanted to play it at the International Delbury Society Conference. And if you're going to play something in front of your peers and colleagues and friends and professionals, you want to play it really well, so you want to get as many performances under your belt as possible. Mm-hmm. So we got set up at this Louisville concert, and that was a big eye opener, because they absolutely loved us. Mm-hmm. Whoa! Yeah. Couldn't believe it. We played for what, like two hours, and they wanted more. Yeah, I remember that. Like all of our cheesy great. jokes were awesome. <laughs> Every piece of music that we played, no matter how bad it was, was awesome. Yeah. And then we closed with so cliche, and it was awesome, and they wanted an encore, and the lady who's in charge of it all said, no, we're out of time. You're <laughs> taking up too much time. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> and that was the first, like, chamber concert we ever did. I like, so. actual circuit yeah, in town. Yeah. And Inside I remember building. being just amazed, <laughs> like, before the concert started, just to look out and see, like, people paying money to come in and watch <laughs> us. It was pretty neat. Yeah. And so then we did go to the conference. We were invited to the conference in Arizona, and we performed there. And then two more movements were added to So Cliche, and we developed some other repertoire. And uh, here and there, just added in more concerts, playing in places like the Estes Park Music Festival, the Englewood Concert Series, all these things. And I think this year certainly takes the cake. Mm-hmm. We set up this huge project, and this year we've been playing at more concerts than ever before. And uh, that brings us to a list of what we have going on 
here in March 2015. And March alone it's... has more performances than we've done in, <laughs> in like the last <laughs> year. year. Yeah. So that's neat. On Tuesday, March 10th at 12 o'clock p.m., there's a free lunchtime series at St. John's Cathedral in Denver, Washington Street in Denver, and we'll be playing there. That'll be about 45 minutes or an hour of music. Um, a week later, we'll be playing on Tuesday, March 17th at Metropolitan State University, where Professor Mike teaches. Uh, so it'll be Tuesday, March 17th, 7.30 p.m. at the King Center Recital Hall. And that'll be a full-fledged bassoon quartet show. The very next day, we're going to be performing at a new series at the Dairy Center in Boulder called Soundscape. And it'll be us plus the Altius String Quartet. So it'll be an afternoon performance of quartets. That will start at 2 o'clock. Again, that's Wednesday the 18th at the Dairy Center in Boulder. Also on Wednesday the 18th at 7.30 p.m., we'll be playing at the CU College of Music as part of the CU Pendulum New Music Series. And that's at the IMIG Music Building at the CU campus. That'll be a very interesting show because it'll be full of brand new pieces of music written by composers at CU. And we'll be capping it off. We're sort of the featured guests because we all went to CU, but also because Rika Narimoto, the composer who wrote The Sound of New York for us, will be there and she will be a sort of a guest of honor. We'll be performing The Sound of New York and only The Sound of New York. The following Monday, March 23rd, we'll be performing at Smoky Hill Library in Centennial, Colorado at 7 o'clock. And then we have a very special event coming up on Saturday, March 28th at 2.30 at the Boulder Piano Gallery in Boulder. And this will be a special behind-the-scenes look at how composers compose. And it will feature not only our very own Thomas Kent Hurd, but also visiting us from Japan, Dr. Rika Narimoto. And so they will pull back the curtain and reveal how it is that they came up with all the crazy stuff that they wrote for us. How they were inspired by the sounds of New York or a single chord on the piano or whatever it took. So that'll be a very cool interactive show. Um, bring your questions, bring your friends, bring your enemies, bring everybody you know. Uh, again, that's Saturday, March 28th, 2.30 p.m. at the Boulder Piano Gallery. Uh, it'll be a part of Boulder Arts Week, which is a week-long festival here in Boulder showcasing all the crazy arts that are going on in this very uh, artistic community. And it's free thanks to funding from the Boulder Arts Commission. Our performance is free. Boulder Arts Week, though, it depends on performance here and there. Some of them are free, some of them are not. And the very next day, Sunday, March 29th, we'll be at the Estes Park Music Festival at 2 o'clock at the awesome Stanley Hotel. And that will be our fourth appearance? Third? Uh, third. Yeah, this will be third. Our third show at Estes Park. Mm -hmm. Great place. And apparently the concert hall at the Stanley Hotel is the most haunted of all the haunted rooms. Really? Yeah, like if you go on the tour, they say this is this is the one, guys. Pay attention. And it's, it's oh, the most haunted. this is the most haunted. Yeah. Interesting. Right. The spirits of all previous bassoonists linger. It's interesting that we've never been bothered 
Maybe it's because the the ghosts that haunt it just are just freaked out by the bassoons or something. Yeah. No, we calm them down. They like us. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like that answer them. better. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's our very busy March. Uh, we hope to see you for these upcoming performances. All of them, again, are listed at our website, boulderbassoons.com, and you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and all sorts of other things. Um, we're very accessible. So, fellas... We started this show with happy birthday, and now we need to wrap it up with something. Maybe we should harken back to the very first concert at CU, Daryl Palooza. There you go. And in fact, maybe we should honor our former members by listening now to Cold Duck Time, (laughs) the ingenious arrangement brought to you by George Downing. Yes, sir.